97.9 The Hill, WCHL, and the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, the 2020 college football season and a look ahead to fall 2021. Our guest, Chris Core, a former recruiting coordinator in the SEC and a PhD candidate at the University of South Carolina. So, Chris, let's start with the championship game and let's start with Devontae Smith. All right. You, you look at this guy and he's like 175 pounds. He's only six feet, six one. Not an imposing physical presence, but my gosh, he he runs routes better than anyone I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and first, thanks for having me on again, Dr. Tuggle. Appreciate it. Uh, Devontae Smith I've actually got some funny experience with. Um, I won't name the school I was at, but the school I was at when he was coming out in the class of 2017, you mentioned his size. We actually eliminated him from recruiting him because we thought he was too small too thin to play and, and hold up against an SEC schedule, SEC defenses. So we actually took them off our board and recruited different players. And that's probably why I don't have a job at that school anymore. Right. <laughs> that doesn't help uh, that he turned out to be one of the statistically greatest receivers in, in college football history, of course, winning the Heisman trophy. So yeah, it, it proves that you can be a different body type, right? You don't have to be, you look at the typical Alabama receivers, you see Julio Jones, big, strong guy. Amari Cooper is a big, strong, well-built guy. Even, even Calvin Ridley is, um, you know, put together well. And you have a guy now in Devontae Smith that is a completely different body type. That is, it's honestly rare to see right now, a guy that is, he looks like a track runner out there playing football in, in, and he's separating from everybody. He avoids big hits and just a really savvy player. And, and they've done an unbelievable job recruiting at the wide receiver position. You, you think about last year and this year. Last year they have Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy go in the first round. Well, this year, Devontae Smith's absolutely going to be a first-round pick. And then you have Jalen Waddle right there who probably will be a first-round pick too. You know, maybe with the injury, we'll see. And last year, that means they had four first-round picks that Tua and Mac Jones were throwing to. That's not too bad in, in, in the college game. So, all right. So let me, let me just ask you then, what does Saban see in these guys that other people don't see? You know, I, I think the, the Saban process, the Saban model, has become something that everyone in the SEC is trying to replicate, right? And this is some of the research I'm actually doing um, as I'm working through my PhD at South Carolina, we see in the SEC right now five of the, well, I guess now with Will Muschiev not, not being the head coach at South Carolina, this past year, though, five of the 13 schools not named Alabama had head coaches that worked under Nick Saban. They were Nick Saban protégés, for lack of a better term. And so everyone's trying to replicate what he's doing. He has a very NFL tried-and-true system of – height, weight, and speed, and what are the requirements at each position. You can hear him talk about that in a lot of his interviews, usually in the preseason, 
about what they look for in the recruiting process. Devontae Smith is a guy, uh, first off, he's an incredibly high-character individual, right? You hear him talk after the national championship game on the sideline with Maria Taylor. Um, very gracious, very uh, honors his teammates, right? Gives credit to everyone else. The Heisman Trophy ceremony does the same thing. So I think the character stands out the most. And then you see a guy in high school that, uh, and, and for people that they keep saying it on the broadcast, and maybe you aren't familiar with Devontae Smith before Alabama, the guy literally did weigh about 150 pounds his senior year of high school. And I, that is real thin, especially for being six foot one. But he's a track runner. He's got elite speed. He can stretch the field. And, and if you think you're confident in your strength program, which Alabama for sure is, you think you can get 20 to 30 pounds on him and him be effective in the SEC. And, and boy, has he. They were, they were absolutely dead on on that one. So here's what you missed at that other school, okay? In the national championship game, 12 catches, <laughs> 215 yards, three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Played uh, <laughs> one play in the second half right before, uh, presumably, we assume he broke his finger. I don't know if they've confirmed that yet. but Dislocated uh, is one what play I've heard. In the yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. So, so one play in the second half and – broke every championship receiving record. And guys, I think he got close to 1900 receiving yards on the year, 23 touchdowns. Yeah. The guy is uh, unbelievable from a statistical and from a, from a, just watching him. You saw all the different people that were on social media talking about Devonte Smith. I mean, it was cross sport, right? We had golfers and football players and, and basketball players and hockey players tweeting messaging about Devonte Smith and how they've never seen an athlete in college take over a half like that. I think that's a testament to him coming back for his senior year. Pretty unique, pretty special for, for that guy and for Alabama. So another 30 seconds about Devonte and then, then we'll end this particular block. You look at a cornerback in press coverage up tight on him on the line, doesn't even touch him. Right, he's a yard away. Starts a yard away from him, doesn't even touch him, and then the the poor linebacker, who was trying to cover him on the <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, thirty two oh, there. I think. <laughs> oh gosh, you feel for the guy, but it's like, you know, you can't tackle what you can't touch. Yeah, you can't you can't play man to man against him. Like you said, he's too quick. His his footwork's way too good, and even though he doesn't have the size, his his hand fighting at the line of scrimmage is really good, which isn't about size, right? It's about quickness and speed. Um, and savviness technique, which he is absolutely fundamental in. And, and then, yeah, I mean, you, you can't play him in man coverage, zone coverage. He's so smart. Him and Mac Jones have such a great connection. He kind of sits down in the zone and finds the open spot. And then there's a reason he led the country in yards after catch this year. He, he can make a play or two after he catches the ball. So really special talent, really special player that's really developed into, as I've said multiple times, one of the best of all time that I've seen for sure. Sports Focus. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking about uh, 2020 college football. We're talking with Chris Core. Uh, Chris, it was pretty much the Devontae Smith block, uh, block one. Uh, the, somebody has to get him the ball, though. And I think Mac Jones is more than just you know, somebody who can get uh, a three yard pass to Devontae Jones and, and let him do the rest. 
I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist as well. Yeah, Mac, um, I recruited very closely uh, as well out of Jacksonville Bulls High School, powerhouse high school in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, he is a guy that in his own right has really come into his own. His biggest scholarship offer going into his senior year was Kentucky, and he was committed there. And, and Alabama offered him, and he flipped Alabama. And everyone, you know, you've heard the story by now. Everyone called him crazy. You'll never. There's Jalen Hurts. There's Tua Tagovailoa. You'll you'll never play if you go to Alabama. And what a testament as well to sitting and waiting. And he took his lumps his freshman and sophomore year on on scout team and some stuff off the field, and just maturing as an individual, maturing as a player as well, a leader on that team. Um, exactly to your point, he's much more than your what we've seen um, in in terms of the label of a game manager quarterback. He is much more than that. The way he can throw with touch down the field, he throws receivers open. You look at some of the timing routes they had in the national championship game. uh, He's throwing the ball three or four yards before the receiver's looking before they've come out of their break. He has unbelievable timing, unbelievable touch. He is a, he's not going to stand in there and rip it, rip it around the field. Your typical gunslinger, but, he throws a very catchable ball, which is really valued. And I think that the thing that you can see is very evident from just a, a typical fan perspective. He's the leader of the team, right? He rallies the, rallies the troops, for lack of a better term. After that fumble in the first half, when the game was still kind of close, you could see him rally together, take responsibility for it, rally together. And, and they came out that next drive and marched right down the field and scored. Um, another, another very special Alabama team. We talked about Devonte Smith and, and his graciousness, Mac Jones as well. He's just, just as excited when Najee Harris runs it in and he's not getting a, a, a passing touchdown added to his, his total. He's just as excited for that as when he throws a deep ball and gets a passing touchdown in, in the stat book. It's, it's a really special and, and really in a lot of ways, fun team to watch. And I know in, in the area where, where y'all are, your, your, your listeners are listening, probably not, not as much fun, maybe wanted more Clemson, North Carolina, right? But it was, a, you have to appreciate what that team did and the, the number of seniors that stayed from the class of 2017 and, and what they did on Monday night is an unbelievable testament to their hard work in four years. All right, before we move on to Nashi Harris, I, I just want to clarify. So you missed on Mac Jones as well, right? I wouldn't call it a miss. Um, you know, you, 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 we, we don't need to, to track back on my recruiting success or failure in a way. But, uh, no, we, we did evaluate him. And, you know, again, it's a it, it's a not to get too in-depth into it. This isn't the conversation. But a roster need. He would have been the second quarterback we took in a class the same way that he was in Alabama's class, right? Tua, Tua was the number one quarterback they took. He was – the heir apparent to Jalen Hurts and took over in that national title game. And we all know how the story went. Uh, and Mac Jones was their number two quarterback, kind of just in the, in the background running the scout team. That's what he would have been for us in that class. And um, actually this is when I was at the university of Florida, the, the class before that we had taken Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask as our two quarterbacks, which both in their own right worked out. So we just weren't in a spot where we needed to add two quarterbacks that year. So that, that's really as much as the story can be on that. All right. I'll, I'll let you off the hook on that one. All right. So <laughs> Najee Harris finishes fifth in the Heisman balloting. How are you, yeah. how do you not win the national championship 
with three of the top five Heisman Trophy finalists. Yeah, never been done before, right? And and if if I, I think it, it's hard for people to grasp and, and the way I've been explaining it is imagine if you had a you're you're at North Carolina, imagine if you had three starters that were of the five finalists for the Naismith basketball player of the year. Your your team would be an all star team. You'd be the Harlem Globetrotters, the dream team, right? This is the same thing for Alabama. And if you think about offensive linemen are of course never gonna win a Heisman. Alabama, if, if, if you could register stats and, and have offensive linemen in a Heisman vote, they would have three, four in there, right? Alex Leatherwood. Um, they have a center who won the, won, the, won the Remington Trophy for the best center in the country. Unbelievably talented offense. And people forget Jalen Waddle played four games and had over 500 yards receiving in those four games. Punt return touchdowns, uh, running the ball on end rounds and things like that. They were missing one of their best offensive weapons, and they still put this together. Najee Harris, uh, uh, just just your another another year at Alabama, right? With with their success with running backs and putting them in the NFL, we saw Derrick Henry lead the NFL in rushing for the second year in a row and, and run for over two thousand yards. A very exclusive club, and you you know you just keep seeing it. Alabama and running backs. It's Saban has adapted to the current landscape of college football and, and, and passing on every down. And that's kind of what it's become, but they still have running backs year in and year out that can catch the ball and run hard and don't turn the ball over, which is a, a winning formula clearly in the, the 13 years he's been in Alabama. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking about college football with Chris Core, the University of South Carolina. So, Chris, I am a college football SEC snob. I'll admit that. <laughs> but since 2006, 15 years, that conference has won 11 national championships. I'm pretty good. That's pretty good. So, uh, Alabama pretty has, five, uh, has uh, six. Actually, Saban himself has seven because he won one at LSU uh, back with in LSU. the day. I think it was uh, 2003, 04. maybe? 04? Okay. Yeah, 03, 04. Yeah. So uh, 11 out of 15 ain't bad. Is it the premier conference? I mean, it, it, certainly when it comes to championship play, it seems like it. You know, it, it's funny, and, and championship play is the right word there, I think. It's funny because we get into bowl season, and, you know, you'll see Oklahoma blow out Florida. And you'll see other teams play, SEC teams, maybe maybe upset them, right? And people like to talk about how, um, you know, the SEC is falling from grace and other conferences are making up the gap. I, I don't see it that way, and I am not an – I know I worked for two SEC schools, but I am not a SEC elitist in a way. I, I definitely – Clemson, obviously, what they've done, they can compete with anyone in the country. I think Ohio State can on on most days. Monday, they they couldn't. They ran into a a brick wall, but everyone did against Alabama this year. So it's kind of an outlier. I I think the I don't know how you could argue the SEC isn't the premier conference uh, right now. That doesn't mean there aren't a lot that are in the running. You see the ACC up in your country, Clemson, like I said, they can compete with anyone. North Carolina looks like they're poised to be able to compete, compete with anyone. 
Uh, I, I usually, you know, Florida State on most years, they're in a little bit of a downturn right now. Usually they're a pre- premier team. Miami had a good year. I think the ACC is right there. You know, there, there are a lot of conferences that I think are, are loaded with talent. Just I, I, It might not even be SEC dominance. It might just be Alabama dominance and Saban yeah, well, dominance that is, that is making it right now. Certainly, that's a big part of it. So you mentioned some of the other uh, bowl games and how, you know, teams from the SEC and and uh, got blown out. How much, not just there, but in other games as well. How much did players opting out have to do with what was a very unpredictable bowl season, other than the championship games? Yeah, I, I think that's a huge uh, – I'll stick with the Oklahoma-Florida game. Uh, Oklahoma had nobody opt out. Florida had their top four receivers. Uh, they, I think at the end of it, they were down seven of their 22 starters and from opt-outs. And then they had another starter miss the game um, due to due to COVID uh, testing positive. I, I think that's a huge – a huge – especially in a shortened bowl season, right? Florida played the SEC championship game on December 19th their bowl game was 11 days later. Usually it's three, four weeks later and you get, you know, eight, 15 to 20 bowl practices. This was totally different with, with you had Christmas break sandwiched in there as well. Extremely different circumstances where you can't just throw together guys that haven't played all year in a game setting. Maybe they practice together. You can't just throw it together in a game the final game of the year and expect it to come together the same way it had. And Florida, Oklahoma was a tremendous example of that and the impact of, of, of guys uh, declaring sitting out um, and not playing in the bowl game. And of course, those who opt out are going to be the ones who have pro or who are really good pro prospects. So you lose three or four of those makes a big difference. And, and, you know, I have my opinion about, I can understand not wanting to lose millions of dollars because of an injury in the final game of the season, but why not opt out after your team goes four and four, right? Just opt from then on opt out. But anyway, uh, that's me on a soapbox. Um, <laughs> what about, what about expanding the playoffs? What do you think about that? Yeah. Hot topic of conversation. And then Monday night, uh, I think it was Dan Mullen before, the game kind of on his soapbox talking about how they need to expand and make it bigger. I, I, I agree that it's inevitable. Um, maybe not from a competition standpoint, but from a dollars and cents standpoint, when, when you have the opportunity to, in, in I think the contract with ESPN for the first playoff runs out in 2026, if I'm not mistaken, when you have the opportunity to, expand and, and add in more meaningful playoff games that are going to generate a high level of eyeballs, a high number of eyeballs. that's going to turn itself into a lot of advertising dollars. I don't, I think that it's just inevitable that the parties involved, they're going to come together and say, yeah, let's expand it to eight and we'll, we'll go from there. And you, you would double, uh, double your number of, of playoff games and, Oh, you might double your amount of uh, money you're able to make from the playoffs. So I, I do think that that's inevitable. And from a competition standpoint, everybody wants to see eight, right? Everybody wants to end the conversation with the UCFs and um, the Cincinnati's. Just let them, let them in. Exactly. Give I think if you shot. go to eight, you can do that. Yep. 
And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Chris Core. Thanks also to producer Chip Sweeney. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.